This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will teach you how to build wealth with real estate without buying yourself another job. I'm your host, Taylor Lotes, and today our guest is Jonathan Twombly. Jonathan is a former lawyer who one day found himself laid off. He stayed persistent and stuck with it, did not have to go back to the lawyering profession, got into multifamily, did that for a few years, and is now investing in hotels. Today, we're learning about his journey, how he got started in multifamily, got through some initial setbacks to build a great portfolio of multifamily properties to his more recent pivot into hotel investing. And that's really the meat of our discussion today is what is he doing in the hotel space? How is he finding value in hotels? How did he build a partnership so that he had someone that had the experience and knowledge in that part of the business that he did not have? What asset types is he focusing on? What is his perspective on the short-term rentals slash Airbnb industry and its impact on hotels and so much more? He had a fantastic and incredible journey from being a lawyer into a full-time real estate investor. Today, we're learning all about that journey and what he's up to today. Once again, I'm your host, Taylor Lotes. I'm a real estate investor. I focus on multifamily and self-storage investing. If you'd like to learn more about potentially partnering with us in the future, just go to investwithtaylor.com or click the link in the show notes. Once again, our guest today is Jonathan Twombly. We're learning his journey from laid-off lawyer to multifamily expert to today, hotel owner and hotel investor. Great information in this discussion. Let's go. Jonathan, thanks for joining us today. You mind telling our listeners about what you're up to today in the real estate space, then we can rewind the clock and learn about how you got started. Absolutely. So right now, uh, I am focused pretty much exclusively on value-add independent hotels. Nice. So where are you investing in hotels more specifically? Yeah. So um, right now, I'm looking in New York and New England. So I've just, you know, I had started out my career looking uh, at multifamily down south, but uh, kind of the older I get, the less I want to travel and jump on a plane. There's plenty of opportunity near home, so uh, especially in this particular space. So I've been looking in basically markets I can drive my car to. Makes a lot of sense. So, but you didn't start in the hotel space. You were in multifamily previously for years. When did you get your start in multifamily, and what did you do in that space before pivoting to hotels? Yeah, so uh, I started in multifamily back in 2011. Um, I was a kind of bladed victim of the great financial crisis. I had been a corporate lawyer and I got laid off in 2011. And at that point, I was really burned out from being a lawyer, wasn't interested in uh, looking for another law job. I had been kind of feeling my way around uh, investment, uh, real estate investment for a while. I ran into somebody who had, uh, and I was just totally like ignorant of this world. I ran into somebody who had just kind of exited a seminar and done a couple of deals. And um, she was like, hey, I'm starting a real estate investment company. Would you like to join me? And I sort of I thought about it. Um, to make a very long story short, I sort of trotted her around to a few people to kind of do some due diligence on her. And the result of that was that a bunch of people said that they would invest with us if I joined her. So I thought, okay, maybe I should give this a shot. And uh, we went into business together. That ultimately didn't work out, but uh, it did help me get my foot in the door. I, you know, we we took a couple of deals almost to closing. We had all kinds of trouble. We had the money. It wasn't it wasn't an issue. We had there were lots of lender issues back when I was starting out. So um, 
we lenders were still very skittish about multifamily after the crash. So we had lenders back out on us in the last minute. It was very painful. But I got kind of a baptism by fire and I um, then went into my own, just sort of started my own business after that and then started having some success kind of doing multifamily syndication. So I really am self-taught in the syndication business. Uh, didn't go through seminars. There wasn't a whole lot of coaching available in those days. And I, I just kind of, you know, mistakenly thought it would be easy. Uh, hey, it's real estate. <laughs> you buy a building, they pay your rent. It's easy, right? Okay, little did I know. Um, but, you know, sort of learned on the job. And then I was doing that, looking at deals in South Carolina for most, you know, most of the decade after after that, after I got really started getting traction in like 2013, 2014. Great. So what was it that enabled you to be a full-time real estate investor after getting laid off rather than having to run and scramble and try to get another job to keep the bills paid? Um, so I was very frugal when I was a lawyer. I lived really well within my means. So by the time um, my legal career ended, I was in a position where I had, you know, a few years of runway in the bank where I could get started. And, you know, fortunately, my my wife was supportive of this because she saw how miserable I was when I was a lawyer. And, um, you know, so she let me kind of take a chance with this. The, the other thing that, uh, and, you know, let me get started was, as I said, I kind of, I sort of raised a bunch of money without realizing I was raising money before I got started. So I didn't have to scramble for investor capital at first. I had, I literally had raised a couple of million dollars from, from friends and family to get started before I even started. And, and fortunately when I started my own business, that capital was still available to me. Um, and at, then actually, by the time I started my second business in this space, I, at that point, I really was kind of like staring down the barrel of a gun a little bit with running out of savings. And one of my investors said, hey, look, I'll, I'll back you. Essentially gave me seed capital for the business to, to start running that business and get that off the ground. So that's, that's what enabled me to, to kind of get started without having to like work two jobs or, you know, like, like most people do. Frugality and a solid network in addition to hustle and, and getting out there. What was the exchange, if you will, there with the, the seed capital? Like, what did that person get in return? So, uh, she got a third of the business, basically. So, um, I mean, basically, that's what it was. You got, got a third of the business. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So, you've been in the space well over a decade now, did multifamily deals, but you've recently pivoted into hotel investing. We've seen hotels, industrial, and a couple other asset classes like that really grow in popularity within the last year or so. What drove you into the hotel space? So it really is um, a bit accidental. Uh, during COVID, like a lot of other people, we bought a, you know, sort of a country house, like a getaway house. And you know, we had been vacationing up in the, the Finger Lakes of New York State for, for years. I'd always wanted to buy a house up there. My wife always said no. And then during COVID, like when we took our first, you know, vacation of the pandemic and got out of the city, my wife was like, okay, let's buy a house. So uh, so we've, we found a house. We bought a house up there. And on the way to our house, every time we went up there, we would have to pass by this uh, hotel 
which was like in this utterly spectacular location overlooking one of the Finger Lakes, just a commanding view of the lake. And it, and the hotel is just really run down. It was clear that they hadn't invested anything in the hotel for years. And every time we would drive by, we would have the same conversation, which was, and what a shame. Look at this amazing location, this kind of rundown old hotel in this amazing location. Somebody ought to do something. And fast forward a couple of months, I was looking on like Crexy and LoopNet for maybe like apartment buildings I could buy up there. Cause I, you know, I wanted to spend more time there and I, I figured if I had business to do up there, it'd be easier for me to justify like spending more time up there. So I was looking for apartment buildings and things just maybe not, not syndication deals. I thought maybe I'd just partner with a couple of friends buy you know, a few small properties and stuff. And I came across this hotel for sale and, um, you know, that, that, that very hotel that we were always passing by was for sale and they had been cutting the price and cutting the price and cutting the price. And I thought, well, you know what, why don't I take a look at this? So I, I looked at it. I went and found somebody who knew something about hotels. You know, I didn't try learning from my mistake of when I started in multifamily, I actually f- decided, okay, my skill set is not hotels. I can structure deals. I can do syndications. I know how to put these things together, but I know how to raise the money. I, you know, I can do everything except run the hotel. So I got to find somebody who can run the hotel. Uh, got an introduction through one of my business partners to uh, his cousin, actually, who is a like second-generation hotel guy. Showed him the deal. He said, wow, this this looks really interesting. I, and he had direct experience doing exactly that, kind of turning around these old independent hotels, right? So he had just exited like two of these deals and thought this was a really good candidate. So I said, okay, now I've got that piece. And then I just went to one investor who had done really well with my multifamily deals and said, hey, would you be interested in doing this with me? And he said, okay. So just put the deal together like that. Um, It was a really, really deep value add, heavy, heavy renovation. We completed that uh, in June of this year. And, um, you know, we're off to the races. But one of the things that I noticed in this space. So once I kind of dug into this, it, it really started to remind me of multifamily back when I started, where there were a lot of like very promising assets that were run by mom and pops that were just, you know, really undervalued because they, they had been run as, I don't want to say lifestyle businesses, but they had been run at, you know, not to maximize the value, but to support a family or to support a lifestyle, right? And um, and oftentimes it had antiquated technology or no technology, you know, had not been renovated for decades. They were just sort of slowly sort of grinding down, you know? And, um, and I realized that this was, there's a lot of these assets out there, right? It's not just like one or two. There's a whole generational change going you know, going through the independent hotel industry where you have all these these families that have owned these things and oftentimes they built them or their parents built them and now they want to retire, right? And and the kids have moved away. They don't want to take over their hotels. Uh, the, the buyer pool is kind of limited because in their condition, they're very hard to finance, right? You need basically somebody like me and my partner Shiv like some people who can put the capital together and who know how to turn a hotel around and do a rehab. 
And, and th there's not that many people. There's a pool to, to buy them after they're done, but there's not, there's not really a pool to kind of do the hard work. So uh, we're looking for more assets. We're about to close on another one any day and uh, looking for more. I, I, I'm just very excited about the space, kind of have not been this excited about a space you know, since I started multifamily because uh, I just feel like this hasn't come to the world's attention yet. It, it may, but for the time being, I feel like kind of getting into this on the early side. So speaking of assets or strategies that have come to the world's attention and other investors in the space, let's talk about short-term rentals and how you think about you know whether they compete with your hotels and how they impact your strategy. I think a lot of the investors in the space that would theoretically sit in your position and look for assets may be focusing on the short-term rental strategy rather than buying hotels. How do you kind of square that circle with your hotel investment strategy, the potential competition from short-term rentals, and really everything involved with that short-term hospitality business? Yeah. I mean, so the funny thing is, so, you know, because we bought that house uh, in upstate New York and we're renting it out when we're not using it, yeah, I started becoming exposed to the short-term rental space. And my first thought when I approached the hotel was, well, why not buy this and run it like a giant Airbnb, right? And I know people have done that, right? Where they bought smaller hotels and they essentially just try to run them like a, like a, you know, a bunch of Airbnbs stuck together. And, but when I started digging into it, I was like, that's just not really cost-effective, right? It's with this many rooms, like you need to have a staff, you need to have the cleaning staff on site. Like you basically got to run it as a hotel. Um, but in terms of like the competition with, with Airbnbs, I mean, I get asked this question all the time. Um, you know, so people are always, people are very concerned like, oh, what's going to happen? Aren't Airbnbs going to destroy hotels? I mean, Airbnbs have been around for a long time, right? It hasn't destroyed hotels yet. And, you know, you can look at one of the nice things about hotels is that you can, there's a lot of data that you can buy pretty cheaply and you can see what the occupancy rates are. And these occupancy rates have Airbnb already baked into them, right? So you're kind of underwriting into the environment that exists and the environment that exists is Airbnb. Now, if you want to kind of look forward from this, I think if anything, um, I think if, if anything is going to happen in this space, it's going to be that Airbnb is the one that's coming under attack, not hotels, right? I mean, you're seeing a huge backlash against Airbnb right now. Um, a lot of towns say, around, certainly in the Northeast, a lot of towns are starting to outlaw Airbnb. And so this is, so I think if anything, the threat, quote unquote, I don't really see it as a threat because I also see it as a different market than the market for hotels. But what threat is posed by Airbnb, I think is probably, it could have, I'm not saying it has, but I think there's an argument that it may have peaked already because the backlash is really just beginning now. I think we're only seeing really the beginning of the backlash against Airbnb. Um, it's, I think it's only going to get worse. So um, that, that's kind of how I view it. But in terms of like direct competition, I don't think like, I don't think you're really competing. You've got like a hotel that can sleep two people, right? A room that can sleep two people versus a house that can sleep 10. Like that's a very different market, right? You know, you're not really talking about the same, the same market. Now, maybe some of those people before when they had no other option would have stayed in a hotel, but I think it's, I think it's a lot more likely that they weren't really traveling much at all or in, or not in those kinds of groups. 
And house rentals have always been around anyway. I mean, it just wasn't as easy to do. But if in, in a lot of these resort resort areas, you know, even before Airbnb came around, you could rent a house. I mean, re, my parents rented houses like on Cape Cod and places for a week when I was a kid, right? So it's not like this suddenly popped up out of nowhere. So I, I just don't, I don't really see Airbnb as being a threat, but I think to the extent that it is, like the data that we're using to evaluate these hotels already has Airbnb baked into it. So we're, so like that's our, how our underwriting is. And so we're underwriting to the market that exists and that market includes Airbnb. So. Okay, so we've hit peak short-term rental, I suppose. And I, I perhaps. I mean, I, I'm. This is not my field of expertise. This is just what I'm sort of reading in the paper. But I'm seeing the kind of, particularly around here, where I live, the the kind of anti Airbnb drumbeat, like really starting to, to to get catch on, and like the the short-term rental Facebook groups that I'm involved in, like seem to be at panic state right now because of the kind of slowly gathering storm of regulation and, and outright, you know, bans that seem to be kind of coming, you know, rolling their way through the system. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. New York city had a very strict ban that was implemented earlier this year. I'm based in Richmond, Virginia, and we got one of those two that basically made it impossible to run a short-term rental business if you're playing within the rules. So, okay, we've covered that. Now I'd like to talk about the, operational side of things, building your team, finding your partner, and all of that because exactly like you mentioned, a hotel is an operating business. There's a lot more that goes into it compared to running a multifamily, which has its own operational intensity, but it's just a lot more to run a hotel. What have you learned in that process of working with your partner that handles the operations side of things? I imagine there's quite a lot there. Yeah. I mean, so I would say the biggest difference, I mean, well, there's, I mean, there are a number of differences, right? So, but one of the differences um, is that you don't necessarily have more staff. You just have them kind of allocated in a different way. So, I mean, we still have a, you know, a, a general manager, we have a maintenance guy, um, and then we have cleaning staff, which you don't have with an apartment building, right? So, and those are, that's your housekeeping crew that they're, you know, doing the rooms every day. The the interesting thing about sort of hotel, I, I mean, I was sort of drifting into to underwriting a little bit here as opposed to operations, but the but they're related in this way. Uh, you have your expense ratio in a hotel is higher than it is with a multifamily property. However, your costs are also more variable than they are with multifamily. So with multifamily, you may have a lower cost structure, but your costs are pretty much fixed. Like. If your occupancy if your occupancy goes down, you can't fire your your maintenance staff, right? Like you can't fire your leasing agent. Actually, you probably have to bring on another leasing agent, right, to try to fill up your occupancy. And everything else, your insurance, your your taxes, everything, those are all fixed. With in the hotel space, a lot of your labor is actually hourly and casual. So if you when your revenues go up, you need more of it. When your revenues go down, you need less of it. I mean Literally, in terms of housekeeping, you literally need fewer housekeepers in the slow season than you do in the in the high season. So your your costs vary more with your revenues than they do with multifamily. Um, so there's a little bit more ability to kind of control your costs there, um, or or they're just you're not stuck with these fixed costs. You know, there's also you know part of your cost is like credit card fees, which you don't have with multifamily, right? Because you're 
and you, and then also the booking engines that you're using Expedia, whatnot. And those also vary with your because they're commissions, so they're varied with your with your revenue. So that's that's very different. Um, one of the things that surprised me as well. In, in a in a good way, like for me, this is very exciting. I mean, design and stuff is important with multifamily, but it's it's different because you, you're designing more with a hotel than you are with multifamily because you've got furniture, you've got bedding, you've got towels, you've got what soap are you going to use? You've got like all this, all these different kinds of elements that you have to think about in terms of guest experience because you know in multifamily, well, people may be living in your building because they've got nowhere else to live. It's the only place they can afford, what have you. As a hotel, like you're depending on repeat business, on reviews, on things like that, that really don't impact multifamily at all. So you have to, people have to want to come, right? And you have, so you have to make this a place that people want to go. You have to think about like, well, what do the beds feel like? What do the sheets feel like? What are, you know, all the, all this aesthetic stuff that you don't think about with multifamily is really especially with sort of workforce housing, where you're just making it sort of clean, safe, and affordable. Like here, even for, you know, we're going for a kind of what's called uh, like mid upper, upper scale. So not luxury, but not budget, kind of like the higher end of the middle is where we shoot for. So um, you've really got to kind of create like the appropriate uh, environment for people to pay the room rates that you want to charge. And, um, you know, so that that's a really interesting thing, and then the, I guess the last thing I want to say is that you you have a lot more room with multifamily, to sorry with uh, hotels to adjust your your essentially your rents on a dime, right? So when demand is higher, you can just keep on raising your room rates. You know, just keep on jacking them up and jacking them up. That the last room you sell for a weekend is going to sell for a much higher rate than the first room you sell for the weekend, right? So. And then vice versa, if you if things are slow, you can keep on cutting your rate and you kind of know what number you need to hit. So you can just keep on cutting and cutting until you hit that that you know that number, that break-even number. So there's just a lot more flexibility to kind of manage revenue than there is with with multifamily. So you briefly touched on the specific niche that you're targeting in hotels. This is one of one of the things that I'm learning about hotels as I learn more about that industry is how much variation there is within the hotel space, all these boutique hotels and larger, you know, more branded hotels, if you will. How did you narrow down the specific type of hotel you wanted to invest in and, you know, target that particular niche? Or did you even do that? Are you going a bit wider? What did you um, do there? So on the first one, it was really just a function of where we thought we should position this hotel within the market. And in that in that particular market, there was one very high end luxury hotel that was you know in peak times charging five hundred bucks a night, and then there was a whole bunch of essentially budget motels, at the, and there was really nothing in the middle in that market. So we thought, okay, well, this, there's a whole bunch of space left over for us right in the middle. Uh, so we kind of targeted the the higher end of the middle to kind of draw more, you know, sort of do more revenue. But th now that's become our model, right? So, um, and also my partner, Shiv, I mean, I think that was kind of the the space he was already in anyway. So it's sort of what what he knows best. So now we're kind of targeting that and we're we're, we're really sort of building out our own brand now. So, I mean, our, our kind of dream for this is to go and find a lot of these assets. And what we look for is 
So we're not just buying like any old hotel in, or motel in the market. We're really looking for uh, for assets that have some kind of unique proposition in the market. So like the first one, spectacular views, right? Just it, There are just no views in the region like this one, right? The second one, it just has just great downtown walkability. This is the only hotel in the market that's walkable to downtown. It also has these really lush gardens. Every other hotel in the market is like kind of highway side overlooking the supermarket. You know, these are branded hotels. It might be charging more money than ours, but it's a, it's an inferior product as far as I'm concerned. We have sort of beautiful landscaping, really nice location, and you can walk to the restaurants in town. So those are the kinds of things we look for. They need to have some kind of like unique, something unique to them to fit the, the brand that we're trying to, to go for. Okay, that makes sense. So for someone out there who wants to learn more about the hotel investing model, where could they go to pick up more information? Are there books or courses or places like Bigger Pockets that are focused more on the hotel space? You know, I, uh, there probably are, but um, I think it's just a much smaller mm -hmm. um smaller asset class than multifamily and there there hasn't as yet been as much interest in it right and it's tended to be kind of like like for instance right now the the hotel space is 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 very dominated by people from south asia right it's, it's like a, an immigrant entry business right and so a lot of hotels kind of trade within that community and there's a lot of knowledge exchange that happens there that's where i think a lot of people learn the businesses from family members or friends or, or what have you. So uh, there hasn't been as much of a need for coaching for people who are just coming at this out of nowhere. Like I want to learn a hotel. That being said, there are a couple of people out there who are coaching about hotels. Like there's a guy named Michael Ely, who I spoke with on a mm -hmm. panel. Um, He's been on the show. Ago. Oh, mm -hmm. you've had Michael on the show. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Michael does coaching. Um, I think there's a guy named, his first name, his last name is Warzak, I believe. He, I think he also runs some coaching. Um, I'm not doing coaching yet on this, but uh, maybe someday I will. But it's it's not as easy to to find information about this space as with you know multifamily or single family, which is pretty much everywhere. Interesting. Could be a sign that uh, maybe there's a space for thought leadership products in the space or or what have you. But interesting. So the pivot from laid off to multifamily to hotels. Really interesting journey. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. Tracking your rental property business no longer needs to be a hassle. Stessa, a new financial technology company, helps real estate investors just like you take their real estate rental portfolio to the next level by automating the financials of their rental property portfolio. You can get started with just 20 bucks a month to take your rental business to the next level by tracking your properties, automatically collecting rent, tracking your expenses, and so much more. Using technology can take so much of the hassle out of owning a rental property portfolio. So check out Stessa today by using our link in the description and you can get started for free or upgrade to their pro package for just $20 a month. This type of software can save you a ton of time Go check out Stessa today by using our link in the show notes. Now, back to the show. All right, Jonathan, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? Absolutely. Great. First one, what is your number one book recommendation? 
Well, that's that's hard to cut to narrow it down to one, but I but or the you know like the one, but a book that I recommend. Um, I'm sure people have heard about this already, but it's uh, Who Not How by Dan Sullivan and Ben Ben Hardy. I mean, that's a really eye-opening book. And um, if you're struggling with like, how do I get all of this done? It's 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 great to realize that you shouldn't be trying to get it all done. You need to find the people to who who have the skills. And I and I've done that. I mean, that's essentially my partnership with Shiv is is a who not how partnership. Even though, you know, we partnered up before I read the book. But now I, now having read the book, I understand why this is working. So, absolutely big recommendations. Been recommended by a lot of people. I really enjoyed that book, and listeners should definitely check it out. Now we go to question number two: Who or what inspires you? Hopefully this doesn't sound trite, but it is true. So I'm inspired by my wife. And the reason why I'm inspired by my wife is that my my wife has this ability, which I don't have, which is when she says I'm going to do something, like her follow-up on doing the thing she said she's going to do starts like about two seconds after she said she's going to do it, right? It's not like where I, like I have a gazillion ideas and I express things like I want to do all these things, but in reality, there's... I'm not going to get to most of them. And even the ones I do get to, it's going to take me a while to get to them. My wife is like the opposite. She's not the person who has like the gazillion ideas of like, you know, I'm going to go make money doing this thing or the other thing. She's just very much like, I'm going to, I'm going to do this project. And then like you look around in a minute later and she's doing the project. So I'm really inspired by that. I wish it could be more like her. Laser focus and execution, getting things yeah, done. I appreciate totally. that. Yeah. So question number three, think about Jonathan at 80 years old. What does he have to say to Jonathan of today? Be more like your wife. <laughs> no, but I, I mean, but seriously, I think it's like, just keep pushing forward, right? That it, this is a long game. You know, business is a long game. Real estate is a long game. There are, there are not a lot of quick wins. You have to really be able to have the, like the patience and, and the, the discipline to just keep moving forward, even when you're not seeing the results that you want to see, or they, they just seem to be really far off. Like just, but if you keep on pushing, keep on pushing, keep on pushing, just keep on, you know, executing every day, you, you will get there. So it's just a reminder to myself to just keep, keep doing that. Nice. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for joining us today, sharing your journey and what you're up to in the hotel space today. If folks want to find you, get in touch or what have you, where can they track you down? Uh, so if you are interested in investing in hotels, I would encourage you to Google Two Bridges Asset Management LLC. Uh, you can fill out our investor form um, and uh, join my list. Great. Well, to everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every weekday. Right now, I hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you on the next one.